And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast, on a Friday. I know you probably thought I forgot about you this week. Usually we do instruction on a Thursday, but it's been just an absolute crazy week. Uh, Phil Mickelson uh, has, well, we're not going to get into that because all of this discussion is about the Saudi League. We've been talking about it throughout the week. Kramer Hickok, we went viral this week, which was very exciting. We appreciate everyone's uh, support on that. Uh, Froggy doing a great job on Froggy Wednesdays. It was great to catch up with Tom Hoagie. We're not talking about the Saudi League anymore this week. We're talking straightforward instruction. That's what we do on a Thursday. We've bumped it to Friday. And uh, one of the top teachers in the game joins me from L.A. He's heading to Riviera. Dan Dahlquist, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. It's been um, it's been a good week. Lots going on in uh, professional golf. Um, lots going on in the game of golf. Things are moving in the right direction. You know, when you just look at the game itself, uh, I guess the silver lining in so many ways uh, has been the game, people coming back to the game. You're a teacher, you're on the lesson tee. Uh, business is pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's gangbusters. I think across the country and worldwide, it's been phenomenal. Um, you know, people are definitely taking a different lease on life and looking at things in a better perspective and, you know, Mm-hmm. improve improve habits improve their lifestyle improve family and enjoy the game so it's yeah. refreshing yeah that's what's fun for us too right like we can we can make an impact as a as a teacher i don't teach as much as i used to about three and a half days a week now so i don't see as many clients but i see a lot you know through the online portal and things like that obviously communicate through the podcast and what's cool about our industry and what we do is when people come to us and we can give them good info, we can put it in the right order, and they start seeing just a little bit of improvement, it motivates them to go out and work and play. So when you talk about growing the game and having an impact, it's, it's cool what we do. You know, it's an honor to, to be able to help people play better because we know that just means bigger numbers for the sport. Yes. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Let's talk about one of your players. You're going out to see um, Bo Hostler today, a guy that uh, that you've worked with. Uh, you're not far from Riviera there. Good start for him. Uh, shot two under uh, yesterday to open up. He was T3 at Pebble. Share with my audience uh, a little bit about Bo, yeah. the direction that he's going. Big, strong guy. We know yeah. he's a great player at Texas. Where are we at with Bo, and what are you thinking here? Maybe the remainder of this week and into the rest of the season. Yeah, I think what's uh, unique with him is, you know, he's kind of the perfect mold of a lot of the younger generations that we're seeing where, you know, he understands how to play the game at a super high level, very hyper competitive. Um, And what's interesting is he knows how to be in a performance mindset. So Mm. what's refreshing to me is that I, I get a layer of being able to protect that in a way, but you know, that's something I don't have to develop as, as much because he's been there at such a young age. I mean, you know, playing in high level stuff from an early age really helps that. So his level of confidence in what he does is already there. So on my end, it's only been somewhat technical. Um, and, you know, I think what's interesting with a guy like that is that, we've actually tried to bring his swing back to something that he did when he was a junior mm. and, um, or a lot of the things that he did when he was a junior. And, um, some of those things kind of got off track and, um, 
you know, it, it's kind of an anecdotal thing to, to look at. But I think what's interesting is when kids are young and they develop and you start moving their swings to, you know, something that's might be potentially better, it might hinder you as an athlete um, performance wise. And we have to be very protective of the performance side of golf. Um, if you're playing at a high level, you don't want to interrupt that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the big thing that we've, you know, kind of been around the track on. So, so he, he, you're going back to a lot of the things that he used to do mm-hmm. things that he kind of got away from maybe mm-hmm. from a technical standpoint, it sounds like, mm-hmm. and now you're trying to go back to that. When I hear that, I, I think about a player like, um, a Ricky Fowler who mm-hmm. is currently over the last couple of years, trying to make some wholesale changes, um, you know, move his swing in a direction that was, is different than what it was. Right. And what yeah. made him so successful. Yeah. I always think about, and I don't, I haven't had the experience that you have had with this elite level player, but I've had some, I'm close to it. And it just seems like there's, there's something there with every one of these players, like a Bo, like a Ricky, when they get to this level, like there's a genius, there's a DNA in there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That kind of got them there. And it just feels like if they, the more they move away from that, mm. more times than not, it doesn't work out. And then they find themselves, okay, piecing it back together. And they're so good that they could still compete, Yeah, but they never really are the best version of what they were, Yeah, which is that DNA, right? And that all of the, some, all of the, the genius that was within they can never get back to that level. I think we've seen it with Spieth to that degree. Yeah. I think yeah. we're seeing it with Ricky. And it sounds like with, with Bo, you're just trying to move him back to what he was. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what what we kind of acknowledged first, from the first you know, junction of this conversation with him was basic you know, face-to-path relationships and what's kind of optimal and ideal, and then mm-hmm. try to frame that around um, some mechanical things that he did in the past that gave him confidence. And one of the things that we don't want to do, um, and we're only specifically talking to high level players here. So mm-hmm. we, you know, yeah, you can say, Hey, you're going to do this in your golf swing. And that's fundamentally better because IE Snead or Hogan or Trevino or whoever you want to use as your model, um, is ideal. But at the end of the day, if a player's not confident in hitting a shot from a hundred yards to a tuck pin that six off the left, all bets are off. And what I want a guy to do is when they pitch your shot, they feel a shot, they hit a shot. And I want that to be a redundant thing to happen. I don't want it to be, you know, Oh, how do I hit that shot? That's, mm. a, that's a very dangerous place to be for performance individuals. So um, now this is on a bell curve, you know, we have beginners over here. You have to teach them that. So right. Yeah. Um, and I respect that. And, and then that model might be completely different. Um, but I think there's an interesting conversation to be had where, you know, I would watch Anthony Kim years ago on the range and he would step up there and he's like, Oh, I just hit a shot five yards left on my target. I'm gonna play with it. Um, because he was confident in doing it. So I don't, we can say there as a golf professional, that's not the right way to do it. But at the end of the day that he finished, you know, two shots better than the field. I take that. So let me, let me bring up Bo's swing here. Um, So we're going to go here and bear with me here for a second. Let's, let's do this. Let's Mm -hmm. reset it here. There we go. So there's Bo from, from face on now, Bo's six, one, 
he hits it. Uh, this is a fairway wood, but his driver, he's clipping at about 306, 307 on average. So he's up there. I mean, he's in the yeah. top third in driving distance. He's getting it out there. But yeah. if we were just to talk the pivot here, Dana, for, for a moment and just the body and I'll play this. Sure. Take us into some insight here on some of the things, maybe from a pivot standpoint that you yeah. move Bo back to. <clears throat> so I think the big observation, um, number one, the, the first thing that we, we really worked on was understanding, like even taking the club away in a more passive sense. So when we started, he would move the hands independently and actually start changing the face angle. He was opening the face. So like right here, like in the very first yeah. part in there. Okay. Yeah. And then from there, he would just get super narrow in his transition and then have a, you know, high rate of closure, I guess you could say with the hands. So mm -hmm. one of the things he does, and he does this in the gym at urban golf. Um, also is he, he does a lot of med ball throws where he kind of shifts pressure left to right and then throws the object away from him. Um, and they've done a great job by the way of, you know, trying to facilitate a lot of the, the feels, um, that mesh with his swing. Um, and this is essentially a different way of him powering it. Whereas before he would be more kind of hands and arms off the ball. Now he has more of a wider takeaway. Um, and this is something that he did a lot with, with, um, with Jim, his, his former coach who unfortunately passed away years ago, there was a lot of, um, a sense of loading to the right and getting wide mm -hmm. on the takeaway. So <clears throat> let's back that up. Cause this is good stuff here for the yeah. viewers. You said he, he moves into the left first and then back to the right. So it's almost like a little momentum back and forth. Yeah. Like right now counter. I'm kind of going left, right, left, yeah. right. So I go left and then I use that push off of that to get myself moving to the right yeah. and then turn and load up. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is, um, you know, we're, we're friends with um, Xander, right? And so Xander's mm -hmm. been you know, a, a good voice on this conversation and mainly because, you know, they played a lot of golf together growing up. So there's been a nice sounding board, which again, once again, is uh boost confidence that you're doing the right thing. And so like, my goal is that if Bo has 50 voices <laughs> telling him to do the right thing or doing that, he's doing the right thing. It's just makes my job that much easier. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it goes to the, to the point of like, you are who you associate yourself with. So if, if Rory McIlroy and Xander Shoffley are feeling the same thing off the ball, um, that he's currently been working on for the past year, um, you know, it's, it's a good thing. And what the, the outcome, which is kind of interesting because that is that his ball speeds increased quite a bit. I mean, he, he was up at 178 to 180, wow. um, last week in Arizona. So, um, and which is great. So the driver in the past and the short irons have been kind of the, the struggle. So now, um, you know, the drivers he's pretty confident with, which is nice. So there's an earlier weight shift into the, into the trail side. Right. Mm -hmm. And that kind of gets going through this momentum mm -hmm. that's created left to right, gets it started. When you look at that, there is that when you watch, look at that position at the top, are you, if he, if he sent you a video and it looked like that, is that enough for you into the right? Time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now that was hammered. <laughs> this one here. Okay. Yeah. yeah, was, yeah you provided me with this video. So <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, that was smoke. That was like, that was a three wood that he just annihilated. Um, 
Yeah. So I, I think that's really good because yeah. he's loaded his trail side and it's, there's a nice aggressive push back to the left and it's pretty wide. So, mm-hmm. and, and when you, you say know, wide real quick, just for the viewer here, let's back this up. So wide meaning his, his hands are out away from his chest here. Yeah. Yeah. He's got width. If I was to draw a line from the center of his chest out to his hands, you can see his wrist hinge, the shaft's not quite 90 degrees to the lead arm. Uh, yeah. You see this with a lot of great players, guys that really pound the ball. Um, this is a very common position right here when left arm is parallel. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, you look at, you look at kind of the downswing from there mm-hmm. and let me throw this out at you and yeah. agree or disagree. Go ahead and shoot holes through it. You're not mm, going to hurt yes. my feelings. <laughs> um, Players who turn and they go back, right? And they don't load up yeah. so much. They don't get that momentum moving into the right side. In fact, let's just say they hang left. Let's say they turn and they kind of hang left. See, You see the belt buckle kind of almost spin a little bit towards the left foot. Yeah. Okay, now when they start down, yes, they've got more weight moving left. Mm-hmm. But I find like it's it's becomes difficult for them to get out of the way. Like they don't have enough time, yeah, um, more so to rotate and get out of the way relative to when they do move the weight more, load up more. Yeah. Now the weight, of course, goes left, and now they have more time to get out of the way. Is that something that you see? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting topic because you know if we were looking at maybe like a beginner golfer or a higher handicap golfer. Yeah, essentially making them more centered is a good thing. It's mm-hmm. not a bad thing because they're going to make better contact, but you run into a point where you have to power your system. And so what I've been fortunate to hang around guys that are in the long drive community. And, you know, these guys are swinging at 150 miles per hour and they hit it very straight. Um, you mm-hmm. know, you look at Bryson, he's very straight as an example, and he has a very visually centered looking pivot, but there's a lot of, side to side we call it um frontal plane which is side to side movement or if you want to get really technical they call it medial lateral force and um in other other sports is it there it, it's there so like if i was playing basketball and i wanted to move to the left quick i have to almost fake the guy out and go right to go left i wouldn't just go left so i can produce more force doing that now this is the, you know, interesting arrow that we live in where we look at 2D video and it's kind of lying to us in a degree. Um, and so it, it doesn't mean that it's wrong, but it's, it's almost incomplete within a way. So if we start losing that side to side motion and some, you know, some people would call that like breaking force, like you're actually mm-hmm. like creating a break, um, it becomes difficult for you to fire your body. And so that becomes a very manual thing. And, and in Bo's case, um, he was literally not shifting any pressure to the right. And he would get really narrow and dragging on the downswing and his elbows would pull apart. And it was fine for like small pitch shots and little shots because he can control it. But as soon as he had speed to it, this went sideways. Mm. So, um, what, what's interesting is this allowed him to create better flow in his swing on off-speed shots. So if we go, you know, to a wedge, 
he can have the sensation that his arms and his levers and even short irons can stay wider the whole time and he has a better flow in his system. Um, and to be fair, I, I would say, is it exactly where he wants it? I mean, no, he's, he's a perfectionist. He'll, he'll make it even better. But, you know, we get that quote-unquote shallower look of the club through transition. We get a wider way. We had soft, like better face control. And it's substantially gotten better. Um, so has, yeah, Bo, has Bo always had a lot of shaffling? Yeah. 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 One of the things that he, he, he's very, very good at, he's good at hitting very low trajectory off, right. off speed irons. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I remember at Chambers Bay, I think he was one of the top iron players in the field. And, um, mainly because he loves when the wind blows, he's able to keep the ball down and, uh, you know, get after some pins. Cause he wants, he wants looks. <laughs> yeah. Good in Texas, right? The wind starts yeah. blowing and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which and the reason I asked that with the shaffling, it kind of fits everything you're saying, right. With this early shift to the right and wider and like yeah. this, this time, it takes a little more time to get things, I don't know, maybe thrown out just a little bit more, right. Yeah. It's, it's possible to have too much shaffling and those kinds of things. And it can be detrimental. We're talking about a better player here, but yeah, it kind of fits that mold too. I would think just in general with yeah. what we discussed with the pivot, look from here now real quick on the target line. Mm-hmm. Um, you were talking about the early move here mm-hmm. with the club face and, and him kind of opening it. And, and now, so is that toe a little bit more, down in is mm-hmm. his lead wrist. This is something I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Is his, and I, cause I was going back to some of his college days and whatnot, but is his lead wrist, the condition there the same, or is that something that's changed a little bit through that first move of keeping the face more, let's say closed? Yeah, that changed a lot. He used to, when he was younger, he kind of had um, kind of the club outside the hands and then worked up a little bit. And the one thing that I guess would say be a differential from what he did as a, as a younger player is he used to have a lot of like left leg kind of sagged and um, he would, uh, he would rotate, but then his right arm would get severely behind him. Um, and the issue he had when he did that is he could only hit draws. He couldn't hit cuts as much. Um, and to be fair to play on the PGA tour, it's kind of nice once in a while, if you got a back right pin position, you want to hit off speed iron to kind of hit it middle of the green and let it fall to the right or, you know, take some of that on. And when your elbows back behind you and your face gets a little open, it's pretty, it's pretty hairy. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you, you saw that video I posted in on my Instagram, right. Of him to, he's describing that. If you haven't, you need to get, you guys need to go look at that on my Instagram at Travis Holton golf and, Go check out Dana's at, at Dana Dahlquist because he posts a ton of great stuff. And there is a cool video of Bo talking yeah. about that right elbow position. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that's improving over time. It's gotten wider. It's it's more, I guess you'd say, pitch looking. Um because yeah, when we started, I mean, it was coming through his right shoulder and open and the club was out. And you know, the only thing you got from there is the tilt back and Mm. throw the face at it so yeah it, i'm pretty happy where it is right now and i hopefully he is so yeah is he a perfectionist is he someone who like do you have to 
I don't know Bo. I've never met Bo. Um, I've, I've obviously has followed his career and the whole bit, but is he, is there times with him where you have to pull him back and say, Hey, let's not be so technical or is he good at managing the changes and being able to compartmentalize and like, look, I, I got it. Now let's go play and be an instinctive. Yeah. I think he's really good at that. Okay. Um, when the bell rings, it's, it's interesting. It's actually one of the first times with a tour pro that I've not had to like, kind of go, Oh, this is going to be interesting. Um, mm. He's very, he is, he is a perfectionist and most of them are. And uh, at least the ones that I've worked with. Um, yeah. I'm not saying that I generally get the guys that need a lot of work, but um, they, this is like one of those rare instances where, uh, you know, he knows how to draw that line in the sand. So, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Um, when it's game time, he's like, and what's interesting. And I think the viewers would like this. Mm-hmm. He won't hit a shot that he's not capable of. So he might be working on something for three weeks. And if it's not there, he won't put it into play. And which is really cool to watch because it doesn't fit that first narrative that we talked about, about C shot, hit shot. You know, I think um, if, if he feels like he's hitting an overdraw, he's just going to go play it because the end of the day, you got to, you know, post, post, post a number. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty refreshing to, to see a person who's like that. One thing I always like about Bo swing is that if you look at where, um, started here from the beginning here. Like you've got his hands there at a dress and he returns his hands. When you look at this down at the bottom, I would say almost to the same spot, right? I mean, maybe just a touch higher as far as there's not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of raising of the shaft Yeah, yeah. at impact relative to where it was at address. And when you look at that position there, you can see the hand path exiting comfortably to the left, the club head, just a little bit out in front of the hands you can still see. And then when it exits, it, it's, it's under that left shoulder and the yeah. face is kind of, I'll throw a word at you a little layback about yeah. that, right. From the old golfing machine days, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little layback in the face, looking back. And that's something you see with a lot of players, right? You see this, handle, you know, kind of in close mm-hmm. exiting left shafts under the shoulder here with this iron face yeah. got a little layback. Is that something that has kind of come into the fold here as the pivots improved as the faces improved, et cetera? Yeah. Yeah. The pivot and particularly like him now getting into his left side and pushing off the left foot allows him to go from that lead wrist flex position into something that hits and goes into kind of that extended layback look. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, in the past that wasn't really happening, there was more like Mm -hmm. rotation of the face. So, uh, because of the opening going back. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 We see that with a lot of the the modern players. Now when you look at Colin Marikawa and, you know, John Rahm and the list goes on. I mean, it, it, it's becoming something that's pretty prevalent on the tour. If you're saying whether it's a trend or it's a necessity, I mean, that it's a, that'd be an interesting conversation, but yeah, uh, a lot more guys are going into a position that's more, you know, risk flexion. You know, I talked to a lot of coaches on this podcast and it's interesting. I would say, I would agree that it's a bit of a trend 
right mm-hmm. now. That's I would say we're seeing more of it. Um, I think one of the statements that I would make is that like I look at like a Luke List and I and I listen to his coach talk and mm-hmm. Scotty Scheffler and and I look at that club face like they don't. Some faces are square to slightly closed, right? Yeah. You'll see a few that kind of borderline open, yeah. but they're, they're never wanting it to get too open, right? It's like the ones that get it maybe a little too open, like a Scheffler and a Luke list, like they're, yeah, we're trying to keep it a little more shut, right? So it's like, we've got to keep the face closed enough yeah, <laughs> to do what we want to do coming down, right? Like, yeah. I think that's the statement that I would make. And I always tell amateurs, look, I'm working with an amateur who, you know, open face and or over the top and or no shaft lane. I'm like, look, I'd rather get the face two or three degrees closed yeah. than one degree open. I mean, let's yeah. just, let's get a little shut. Let's get it coming from the inside. Let's start suggesting some shaft lean and rotation. And like, you're going to develop around this face being more shut than you are, say, looking like a Scotty Shuffler, you know, because yeah. I can't get that face and that lead wrist with your skill set mid handicap to come down on a good plane yeah. and swivel the face with shaft lean and rotation. We'd be pounding our head against the ground trying to do that. Right. Yeah. And we're looking at, I know Luke very well. And what's interesting and you brought up shufflers it's, you know, these are high speed ball guys mm-hmm. and Luke is an unbelievably good athlete. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. And, um, don't tell him I said that, but he, he, <laughs> he is. And so for him to consistently do that is great. It's a good thing. Like it's what he should be doing. Um, and it matches his profile and his pivot. Mm. So I think what's really interesting is that he, that's one of his speed mechanisms that he can go from some extension back into flexion and through the golf ball. And that's much faster. Now, if we look at the longest hitters you look at john daly and we look at long drive guys Mm -hmm. you know they're long and they do that so they have more time and more availability to create more speed the inherent drawback is that if we're on this bell curve and we we okay we're not long drive we're not pga tour and we're not even in the middle but we're over here we just want a pattern well we can't go over here like that that Mm -hmm. one piece is very far down you know, the, the, the bell curve. So I think, I think that's something where I agree. You, you have, you know, beginner golfers, amateur golfers, yep. generally let's get rid of the white cuts and, right. you know, strengthen that face up if possible. What, let me ask you this, because mm-hmm. we see players, I get a lot of DMS from this funny, like the conversation and the narrative. And I try to speak to where the conversation is on yeah. some of this. They see people watching golf, see a lot of players rehearsing this left exit. Yeah. They see Alex Norin doing his configuration and the clubs like way over here and yeah. Matt Jones. And like, you know, guys are just very seldom. Are you seeing a tour player going here, dropping the club behind them? Yeah. I get on more right bend and X, you know, they're not, they're not rehearsing that, right. They're rehearsing yeah. more times than not the other way. Left, left, left. That's yeah. more of what you're seeing. Yeah. So speak to the amateur, what has to be in place for them to consider like, okay, maybe I need more of this left exit. Like I'm looking at here with Bo. 
Yeah, I would say that you need to make sure that number one, you can get your swing direction. So like the direction the club head's moving into the ball to the right first with mm -hmm. a face that's closed to that path. Then you can start going down the road of making your handle go around the corner. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's kind of like a merry-go-round. So you, if you have a tilted merry-go-round like this and I'm swinging on this arc like that, mm -hmm. I have to make sure that that club head is not outside that arc going left. I gotta make sure that it's at least in or back. And I would, if I told anybody, I'd watch Rory McRoy before he hits the ball where that club head is. And I guarantee you it's inside his hands and below his hands. It's like insta draw every single time. And all he has to do is pivot around the corner and that'll pull the hands around. He doesn't mm -hmm. have to like throw his hands at it. So kind of going in that space or that frame would be a smart decision. And to be fair, I actually have taken a few tour guys, you know, and whether right or wrong, you know, I'm wrong probably more than I'm right. But um, I've told him, I said, you know, it gets, it's a detrimental thing when you get too far on the other side of it, you start getting that thing going down and across because mm -hmm. you're going to lower your launch capability and you're going to increase your spin capability. So we don't want to do that. It's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, just yeah. the golf swing is just a, I mean, it's complex. There's no question about it. I mean, we've spent a lot of time with it and have a pretty good grasp on it. You much more than, you know, than me with your studies and everything and your background. Um, I don't but know it's, it's uh, <laughs> you know, you know, what's funny though, is that, I think like when you think we talk about like these better players and these tour players, like the science is great, right? Understanding yeah. the science and like, man, this is the way we create speed. And this is kind of an ideal movement of the pelvis and mm -hmm. the spine and wrist angles, et cetera, et cetera. And then you start getting in the trenches with these guys, right? Yeah. And they all have these patterns that got them to this point. And then you're like, yeah, I get that. But the reality is, is I've got a, protect the genius of this player. Yeah. And I've got to influence things in a way that's going to allow him to play at a higher level and be instinctive on the golf course. Yeah. And yes, the science is important, but man, it's not everything, is it? It's not, it's not. Yeah. You have to, you have to really make sure that you're number one, protecting the player's confidence and your, and your own mm -hmm. um, and understand when that time comes up. Like if a player's really struggling with speed and they, they feel that, you know, they're behind the eight ball. That might be a conversation to be had, but if players in a pretty good spot or they just need a little edge here or there, or they need to, you know, take, reduce some curve, you don't go off the deep end. And, um, that's a tough thing for people to kind of, mm -hmm. to grasp. I would say for, for viewers at home, you know, this is something where, you know, I would say there's a lot of guys on tour that, and, and boy coaches aren't going to like me saying this, but like, don't go searching too, too hard, like mm -hmm. kind of, kind of take a step back a little bit, a little bit and go, you know, what do I really need to, to make myself 1% better? Yeah. And it could be something small. It could be ball position in your aim. I mean, it doesn't need to be, you know, change your grip and <laughs> work on your right elbow. <laughs> right. No, that, that's, I think that's well said, right? Cause there's, it doesn't, 
you know, change isn't needed always, yeah. you know, yeah. and sometimes it's just conversation, encouragement, and, and then sometimes it is, and it, it can be very incremental where it's, you know, it's, it's hard to detect, right? Yeah. It's hard to detect when you're looking at it on video. So I could, let's finish with this, with the amateurs here listening. Yeah. Um, Cause spring's near mm-hmm. and you know, people are gonna start getting motivated to play golf. We know that most don't take instruction, yeah. um, but yet they want to get better. So if I had to say a statement to the people listening, as you get into the spring season, the first thing that I would, I would say to you, this, we'll just, we'll make some overarching statements for them to think about. I'll start. Think about what your club face angle is right now. Like, what does your club face look like here? We'll use Bo as an example right here. You know, where the toe, I stopped, I stopped a little late, but halfway back, the toe is slightly down. Mm-hmm. Right. And the angle of the face, let's say is matching your spine. What does your club face look at the top? Like if you were to look at the club face up there, can you see some of your club face? You can see with both looking back at the camera. something like we can see yeah. it. Yeah. And you know, that's pretty square, right? And the more of that we see it gets a little bit closed, but if we can't see that club face and it starts to hang on the other side, it's open. Yeah. So ask yourself the question, what does my club face look like at the top? Is it, and is it allowing me to do what I want to do coming down? Is it, is it allowing me to, you know, take it down, maybe shallow it from the inside and hit a draw? Is it allowing me to have some shaffling? Yeah. That's where I would start as a general statement. What does your club face look like? And is it allowing you to do what you want to do coming down? And I would look at a, the pitch of the shaft and B, what is that shaft doing at impact? Yeah. Yeah. Any, anything you would add as far as like a, maybe from a pivot standpoint, if you had to give them a statement, like, yeah, I'd say, well, um, so you, I mean, basically nailed it. I think those things allow you to pivot. Okay. We could could maybe even back up even further. Um, and I'll throw a little interesting story on this. We're on the, we're up at MPCC with Ryan Moore Mm. and we're talking about amateurs and, you know, he would say that, okay, well, let's look at your putting stroke for a minute. And this is universal. It could be even with your driver setup. If you don't get your system primed for movement, you're going to have a difficult time. So make sure your ball position is good. Your stance width is good. Your shoulder tilt is in the right tilt. Your eye line's correct. Your grip is good. And if you get those things right, everything you just said there is probably going to have a better chance. Mm. I mean, it just really is. And then the pivot, if you get those two things right, becomes pretty second nature, hopefully. Um, And then obviously at this point, you know, get some help, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) get a, get a golf, get a golf uh, teacher to kind of be your liaison on this. But um, yeah, I think it's funny how like, basic conventional stuff in a golf swing matters and we want to dismiss it and put a label on things and whatever. But at the end of the day, if my face is in a particular direction at any point in my golf swing, if, it, if it's not correct, my brain will react to that. And I want to make sure that that's correct. Well said. Yep. That's good stuff. Good advice. Dana, I could go probably for another hour and a half, but I'm yeah. you know, <laughs> me too. I'm not going <laughs> to, we're just getting started. We could keep going, but we'll do it again. I know you're going to yeah. go to Riviera. Good luck to your boy, um, Bo Hostler, cheering for him here. Um, 
I mean, he might as well just go ahead and win. That would be great timing with, with this podcast, you know, improve upon that third place finish that he had at Pebble beach and just take the top off, you know, let's do it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, David, thanks for joining us, man. You got it. You got it.